welcome back to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is episode 77, day 82 here in the Zen Room. Uh, my name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the Careful now. contentious Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. And how are you tonight, Tommy? <laughs> You take too much pleasure in asking that. I'm okay. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Well, how was your weekend? Very nice. Did you do anything special? Well, we celebrated St. Patrick's Day here at home. How'd you do that? We had our friends John and Sheila over for dinner. I love that story. Like, what day was it? That was on Friday. No, what day was the actual holiday? On Friday. Oh, oh right. Yeah, Friday the 17th. Right, Friday the 17th. Yeah, and Stephen made a home-cooked uh, corned beef and cabbage corned dinner. Corned beef and cabbage, right. Incredibly boiled. tender. Oh, my God. I think it was the best one he's done yet. I think you say that a lot. Maybe, the but... The best gravy, the best stuffing... My husband's a good pie, cook, what can I say? Best, okay. But this was an excellent corned beef and cabbage. Corned beef and cabbage, would you yep. have like carrots or something? Yeah, yeah, carrots, of course. Yep, we had Irish soda, soda bread. bread. Right. With or without carrot seeds? No, no carrot seeds in it. There were raisins in it, though. Okay. Yes, and okay. also a rye bread we had. Okay. Unseeded. <laughs> Unseeded. And then capped off dinner with a glass of Bailey's over ice. Of course you did, because... That's what you do. Yeah, or mist, or... Mm -hmm. You know. Exactly. So, well, that's good. And how was your St. Patrick's Day? I have no idea. I, uh, St. Patrick's Day. I worked. You worked at the it theater? It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I worked. Ah, okay. A long day for a Saturday, I think. Yeah? Yeah, it was like three shows. Oh my God, that's a yeah, lot. Yeah, well, like... The kids do the show, and then I don't know. It was, it was a long day. Yeah, oh, you notice they added the Pinocchio, like the kids for bring your 11 year old to watch Pinocchio on, on a Saturday or Sunday at 10 o'clock. Okay, okay, so that like open to the public that that was added, so that adds. And then the kids were doing their show, which was what was it? Uh, Lord of the Flies. There was, ah. a, there was a male cast and a female cast. So over Oh, really? So over the weekend, each of them performed twice. Okay. And that meant a double on Saturday, added to the 11 o'clock Pinocchio show, which yeah. is adorable, by the way. It just made a long day. It just made a long day. Yeah. And then there was a show the next day because of the make the fourth show. The two for the male cast, two for the female cast, the Sunday night show happened. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it was that kind of long weekend. That just seems weird with Lord of the Flies. They had an all female cast and, and an old, old male, male cast. cast yeah and you know what i heard a lot of people say the old i don't want to say this i don't want it to sound like one was better than the other because right. you know i know these kids and i i can imagine how different lord of the flies would be with women what happens in that instance yeah you know, of course the play lays it out for you so but, um, but i would like to see it with a mixed cast of boys and girls you know i no, i think the power dynamic is not as interesting because we know yeah. that every day i think that you put all the boys together and all the girls together and how do the how do Day. Yeah, but you don't have to have it broken up that way. No, of course you don't. You don't have to. You could have twelve angry jurors. You know. Yeah. Which is fair, and I and and thank God for it. Yeah. But um, does it? How much does it change? Like, how much does it change the writing? How much? How much does something like that change the intent of the original idea? Like, okay. who wrote it? How right. much? Of, how much of the, that he knew he was writing for all men? Was it incidental? Was it just assumed? Right. That he was writing a jury would be all white men. I don't know. But I don't know either. But thank God they do because now everybody can do it. Yes, exactly. And it's interesting to see the girls do it. Okay. The, women, the, the females. Do it. Yeah, I can I imagine. It has to be. To say. It has to be. What the pronoun the girls. The girls. It was the females. If they're under 18, they're girls. Uh, okay. Or young women. Uh, yeah, because they put that that's a different kind of energy when you bring that, that energy to, to 
uh, uh, who's going to be the most powerful, who's going to suffer the most, who's, you know, and for everything that it implies, it's interesting. Very cool, very cool. So, we're going to move on to our first segment then, and we've been trying out some different sound cues. So let's see if you like this one for Heavy Petting. Oh, oh. <laughs> No. Don't care for that one, huh? Well, it's, it's way too ethnic. People are going to think you're making fun. No. I know that's not your intent, but it's, no. it's so... Of course it's not my intent. Of course it's not your intent. But it's I, just a very funny sound. It's hilarious. <laughs> it, I, I will give you that it is hilarious. Okay. Um, I don't know. If you want, I'll try something different for next time. I think you should try something less ethnic. Okay. Uh, I'll do that then. I'll do that. Okay? (laughs) Was the lawyer going to come get me? Sue me for this? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, our first story under heavy petting is about pets and inflation. Oh, they're expensive bitches. Yeah, it seems that during the past eight months, inflation for pet-related products and services have actually worsened. Of course they have. Whereas overall inflation has actually decreased on other, on generally in the, in the country. But it says that many pet products saw double-digit price increases during the past year, with several items including pet food and bird grooming items and non-clumping cat litter seeing price hikes of over north of 20%. Holy shit. And they're saying that the co- it's attributed to the cost of chicken and beef, the cost of aluminum, and because all those prices went up during right. the past year or two, that's caused the manufacturers to right, increase, right, right. and therefore the real TV tailors increased their prices. Of course, everybody did. Right? Eggs, for Christ's sake, eggs. But it seems that while, uh, with, as far as animal shelters now, as a result of this... okay. In the past year, they they saw four percent more animals enter the shelters and leave. People, can't. and it's not because they're dropping off the animals; it's because people aren't adopting the animals because they can't afford them. They right cannot now. afford. They can't afford their kids. They can't afford themselves. And I'm sorry, but the dog is an added expense. If you're in that kind of situation, look, I get it. Of course, I'm well, not judge it. if you are in that kind of a situation where you're having difficulty meeting your dog's needs or paying for the exactly. dog at all, there are options. You can go to local shelters, veterinarians, and rescue groups as a first point of contact, see if they can direct you somewhere to go. Exactly. There's also the Humane Society of the United States, okay. which has a wide variety of resources for people helping help them facing financial challenges and helping keep their pets with their families. Okay. You can also ask your veterinarian, if it involves uh, any vet-, vet services, if they use any of the national credit services at all Okay. to help pay for uh, your dog's it, yeah, care. Yeah, I get it. And e- even if, ask your vet if there's a donation fund for other clients in need at right, their right, office. Right, 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 right. Or even start your own fund on GoFundMe. Okay. So yeah, it's sad as shit. People have to give up their dog. Yeah, it is sad. You shouldn't have to. But, well, you, you know. But you we, have it's to. understandable sometimes, you know, yeah. when money's tight. Yeah. So, but do the right thing. Like, don't let, don't set the dog. Don't kick the, pull over the side of the road. Well, that's the, the thing. The the, the, from what I was reading in the articles, are saying that the shelters aren't seeing an increase, but in certain communities, they're finding an increase in abandoned dogs. Abandoned dogs, strays. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so do the right thing like that. Drop it off at a shelter at the most, you, you know? another person. 
Exactly. At the very least. And there's people who's just going to take the dog and let you go, fill out this and let you go. Right. And that's okay. That's okay. But that's, the dog's going to get fed. The dog's going to get housed. Just don't, don't be a dick and fucking kick it off out the car. Yeah. Right. Leave it hunting or some shit. I know. So ridiculous. Anyway, in our next dog related story, there's a dog toy case before the U.S. Supreme Court and they had oral arguments on it today. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Okay. When you said dog toy case. Yes. Okay. So it took me a couple of minutes to figure out what was going on. Okay. Like, when I heard dog toy case, I was like that little, like, basket or the bed where the dog has all his shit. Okay. That's the where his, the dog, where the dog keeps his toys is the dog toy case. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, the I spot, do. The spot, the whatever it is. So I'm a little behind. The Supreme Court dog well, toys? What have. happened is that Jack Daniels, the whiskey company, okay. they sued the makers of a squeaking dog I'm toy. A big fan, by the way. That mimics the whiskey's signature bottle. Okay. And the company that manufactures says, well, it's a parody and it should be protected under U.S. trademark law. And so I should be able to make $100,000 billion. And Jack Daniels saying, well, this is only going to confuse consumers, you know, thinking that this is a Jack Daniels product. Now, I'm going to describe the products before I show them to you. Uh, This product... First of all, they also manufacture other chew toys that mimic other products as well. They have one called Mountain Drool. They have another one called Heine Sniffin. Okay. So you get the idea. So this one says it's the oldest number two on your Tennessee carpet. And it says the original bottle notes it has, well, goes this bottle. It features a dog's face and says it's 43% poo by volume and 100% smelly. And uh, and small print and small print on the product that says this product is not Philly affiliated with Jack Daniels Distillery. Okay, of course not. Now, here is a picture of the product next to the Jack Daniels bottle. Okay. Now, would you ever confuse that product for being manufactured or identified with Jack Daniels? Uh, no. Neither First of all, they're two completely different covers. The uh, colors. Mm-hmm. The bottle is the same size, roughly the same silhouette. They both have a black a black label with white lettering across the middle and above the top at the opening. So no, I, I see how one references the other. Right. But I would not mistake one for the other. Of course not. Okay. Well, anyway, so they had oral arguments on the case today. Hold on. This is the Supreme Court we're talking about? The U.S. Supreme Court is deciding this. These fucking guys. Right? All right, so wait. What is the case? They they want they whether or not, their money? Whether or not this dog toy violate, violates Jack Daniels' trademark. Okay. That's what the case is about, basically. Okay, how much money are we talking about? Uh, that I don't know. I mean, I when, have, when, I if, if, if they that. kick it down, if, if, so if they say, yeah, that looks just like Jack Daniels, we know exactly what you're talking about, which is supposed to be the the, the, the joke between adults. Well, uh, under the laws, the law is called the Lanham, the Lanham Act, and it says that the law prohibits using a trademark in a way likely to cause confusion as to the origin, sponsorship, or approval of goods. I don't see that happening here. I think that Jack Daniels should unclench their ass. If anything, Jack Daniels, when they saw this, they should have said to themselves, why aren't we making this? Slap a label on it. Yeah. Why aren't we making Ask a product Ask to like change this? the color because Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, one's this red, is, one's the whiskey color, you know? But, it's bizarre. I, yeah, I, I but was really... But to make... Uh, eventually, once, it, once the case... If they decide in their favor, then Jack... If the Supreme Court decides... In favor of Jack Daniels. Then Jack Daniels is able to sue now the maker of this company, certainly 
out of business. Right. Which I'm sure it wouldn't come to that. If anything, I'm sure they would settle. But they should buy it. But them. it could also open the company up then to other lawsuits. Which company? The company that manufactured the From Heineken toys. and Exactly. From the other ones that they're doing parody right, right, toys right, right. of. So, so, yeah. You're going to destroy that entire industry. That yeah. entire company. It just sounds, ridic- it just sounds ridiculous, for right? That. It does. It really sounds... And for money, that's not going to make a dent, really. How much is how much money is it going to is it going to benefit the Jack Daniels company? I know, right? How much could it benefit them? That they don't know. They're selling have. this for they're selling that doll toy for about twenty dollars, and they're selling that bottle of scotch for how much? For yeah, a bit more than that. All right, but yeah, so they that's, want their cut. Does this, the Supreme Court though? That's deep. Yeah, right. I can't believe when this case got to the Supreme Court. So that is we'll, deep. We'll hear a decision sometime later this year. It's going to go pro money. Yeah, well, of course it will. It always does. Unfortunately, we now move on to our compendium of canines, our dictionary of dogs, okay. and we are finally up to the letter Z. The letter Z. Would you take a care to take a guess as to the dog's name? Okay, so Z A, Z A N Z A L Z A R Z A N Z A N Z A F Z A L Z A. You know what I'm saying? Of Val. Valmute. Uh, Valmute. I'm well, going... you're on the wrong letter. and You're on the letter V. We're on the letter Z. Z. Okay. Oh, Z. shit. That changes everything. Why didn't you stop me? Z. <laughs> Z. I like hearing you babbling. Z. 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 Uh, zebra. Z. <laughs> yes, the zebra dog. Zebra dog. Uh, Z. <laughs> Zen. Zef. Zel. Zem. Z. Uh, I don't know. It's called the Zach. Zerdava. Z-I-R. Z-E-R-D-A-V-A. Z-E-R-D-A-V-A. Okay. There's a picture of it. That's adorable. Although it looks like it wants to rip the throat out of whatever it's looking well, at. Well, I'm going to tell you about it. It's an I... Aboriginal dog breed native to the Black Sea region of Turkey and the Republic of Georgia. Okay. It's about 30 to 40 pounds, not a very big dog. Its colors are, as you can see, solid liver or liver in white or liver roan. And it has a double coat. They are hardy and versatile hunters capable of hunting game of a variety of sizes, including uh, stalking large prey silently until cornered, treeing small game, which is when they chase it up the tree and try to go up the tree sometimes. Get them into the tree. They're all in the same place. Shoot the tree. And then they also, the dogs can work as teams to corner larger game like jackals, bear, or boar. They're especially prized for hunting boar, which are a major pest to corn farm. Boar? Yes. Okay. And they have also a good reputation as search and rescue dogs. Okay. They are devoted to their humans and distrust strangers. They have the nickname the gate dog because of their excellent abilities as a watchdog. Yeah, yeah. The puppies, though, need a lot of socialization with people so they don't uh, end up being either overly shy or overly aggressive. Okay. So you gotta socialize them early. They also do not like being rehomed and will try to go back to their original okay. owner. There you go. So, yeah, if you're getting one, you make sure you're keeping it. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Well, if you care about the dog, yeah. Okay. That dog looks intense. I'm not... I'm not I'm not lying. That dog looks a little intense for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll show you some other pictures. Yeah, right? show me something. Some, something soft and cuddly. No, I don't like... No, no. No. Here's one. It's a Zerdava puppy. Show me a puppy. Yeah. That's a puppy. Okay. I can't... Patrick, you have to bigify it, man. Well, I can't, I can't... I'm not in control of the picture size, okay? If you double-click it, it gets bigger. No, it... Uh, yeah, all right. I'll do that. Here. Yeah, no, it doesn't get bigger. See? 
What does it do? It opens you to a link. Yeah, opens me to another page. Yeah. Oh, so don't tell me. Don't tell me how to fucking do this. Well, I can't <laughs> see those pictures. And I'm not kidding. All right, there you go. Face. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Look yeah. at that face. That's a sweetheart. Yeah. Right? A, now, now go kill the neighbor. <laughs> go eat the mailman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a yeah, that's that's a border dog. Yeah, it really is. It's a beautiful dog. Yeah, he's pretty as shit. The puppies must be cute, but yeah. You know, that's what that dog's going to do. So, that's it for our tribute to the Zerdava. Zerdava. We have now completed the compendium of canines from A to Z. Okay. So, next week, I'll give you a break, and we won't do any dogs from the compendium. No dogs? But then we'll start over again the week after. With A, B. Oh, you, you want to start over right away? I love the dogs. Oh, I was going to give you a break. I don't need a break from the dogs. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Just everything else. A, a little bit of it, yeah. All right, so I'll make sure I have another dog with the letter Just, A for uh, next week. Or is there then. a dog with a number as its name? Or No, not there's... that I'm aware of. Okay, well, uh, how about <laughs> have a single letter, like K9? Is there like No, a... there's no dog with that breed. Like yeah, but that. when you say K9, like what about a different t- Instead of an alphabet dog, why not do like service dogs or police dogs or guide dogs? And spend that that two minutes or that three minutes that you just did talking about some dog that I ain't going to see any. Nobody knows of. Nobody ever heard of. It's going to kill you if it sees you. Do something on like, I don't know. I should shut up because I'm not doing anything. So. That's what I mean. You Since you're suggesting it, why don't you do some research on that? I got shit to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I got shit to do. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you know I do. You fucking dick. <laughs> now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthdays. It's a big day. It's, we got two legendary birthdays today. We got Three. Well, three. I know of two that I have on my list. Well, who do you got? One's living and one's dead. Oh, oh, okay, that's true. Well, I have two living and one dead. Okay, well, I'll do the, my living one first. Okay. He was born March 22nd, 1931 in Montreal in a Jewish family. Trained as a Shakespearean actor. William Shatner. William Shatner! He's 92 years old Jesus today. Christ, what a life. Can you believe that? Through, what a life he's had. Where did he come from? Go ahead, go through Like that. I said, he came from Montreal. His first feature film was in 1958, The Brothers Karamazov, op- opposite Yul Brenner. He uh-huh. also appeared in two episodes of The Twilight Zone, most famously Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, when he sees a creature on the wing of a plane. Okay. Great episode. I, know, I, would, I don't know it. He also was notable for his performances in Judgment at Nuremberg. I love that movie. And also when he played a racist in a 1962 film called The Intruder. Somebody had to play the racist. Right? And he did. And he was very good in the role, too. I watched watched the movie. We need to be able to portray these people. Then from 1966 to 1969, he played Captain James Tiberius Kirk on Star Trek. Now, isn't Tiberius a bone? Tiberius is a Roman name. Okay. But it doesn't reference a bone? Not that I'm aware of. In your body. You're thinking of tibia. I might be. Yes. I don't think there's any relation between Tiberius and tibia. But I'll check to make sure of it. Sounds like a pretty, you know, specific word root. (laughs) Anyway, Shatner also has played Kurt through seven films. Yes. And the last one being uh, Star Trek Generations in 1994. Since then, he's also played T.J. Hooker from 1982 to 86. Wait a minute, he... 
he played the actual character T.J. Hooker? Yes, he did. All right. I never saw... I mean, I saw that it was there. I yeah, never, I never watched, watched it either. I, ne- I, I just saw the promos for it. I don't even know what T.J. Hooker is. It's like, he, played he, like is. A, he played like a street cop, basically. Okay. I think uh, Heather Locklear was on the show, and some of the young hot guy at the moment. I can't remember who now. What year? That was 82 to 86. Oh, Jesus. Then, from 2004 to 2008, he played attorney Denny Crane in The Practice, and then later on Boston Legal. Okay. Did you, ever, was did you right. ever watch those? Both, oh, no. like him and James Spader together. I've seen scenes of fantastic. Him. I've seen clips. Oh my god, just and fantastic. He, is, he is very funny. Him and Betty White. He is very funny. She. Did, oh yeah. She did a speech at his. They did a roast. They roasted him, and Betty White spoke. Okay. And it was fucking hilarious. She so she was such a dirty old woman. It's very funny. Cool. Very funny man. Happy birthday, ninety three. Holy shit. Ninety two years old. Can you believe that? Fuck. And he's been to space. And not only that, he's been to space. He's he's a Horse uh, trainer and breeder. You know, he's had quite a quite a full life, to yeah. say the least. Breeding horses will do it to you. But I, I figure today we might celebrate his singing career. Oh God! I'm gonna, this I'm, can't gonna be I'm gonna good. I'm gonna play you one of his first hits. Oh. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade sky. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Okay. It is uh, a parody of an uh, actor doing a monologue in an acting class. He's being absolutely serious on this. Okay, but I, this is the impression he's leaving. All up. of his recordings sound like. You want to hear another one? I, okay. This is one he recorded in, in, I think, in 2020. This is a song I put a spell on you. What he was 19 years old. I That's much more believable as a like a, a serious intent as a piece of music. The last one sounded like <coughs> a bad acting monologue. There's a video I'm going to post on the bonus material of him on some variety show. He's in a tux, he's got a cigarette, and he's singing on stage doing one of these numbers. How old was he? He had to be like in the. This had to be from like the seventies, late seventies. All right. Wow. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta dig that up later. That's funny as shit. But he's had, for, believe it or not, a successful recording career. Uh, he has Star Trek money. <laughs> Talk about from the ground up. Right. He has Star Trek money, so he could do whatever the fuck he wants. Who is that woman? Florence Jenser Joggins. Florence <laughs> Jenkins Jensen. Florence Foster Jenkins. Yes. Okay. Who did the same thing? So what? Go for her. Okay. All right. I'm just saying like um, he's got all that fucking money to spend right to william shatner we say happy, birthday. happy, birthday! happy 92 
bitch. No, isn't he 93? 92. 92. 92. Okay. Jesus Christ. And our ne- my next birthday celebrant, unfortunately, is deceased. He died two years ago. Oh, you see? Okay. You know who I'm talking I, I, about. I know who you're talking about. The greatest musical composer of the 20th century. I agree. Stephen Sondheim. Two years ago. Yeah. Hard to believe he's gone out long already. It really is. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. Who do you think's going to be the next Sondheim? I don't think there's going to... I believe there's a post-Sondheim. Which yes, like I would agree with that. Your Michael John Lacuses, your Adam Miranda, Miranda, Miranda your Jonathan Larson, Jason Robert Brown. Exactly. Uh, these guys, and even like, yeah, but these guys, these, yeah. these, these are the your post Sondheim, and it seems to me like some of them have taken a Sondheimic feature. Yes, yes, they've taken elements and expounded on that. Yeah, um, but I don't think there's anyone who could ever duplicate or come close to duplicating the kind of music that Sondheim wrote. I think the smart ones know that not to try because they can't, and mm-hmm. to do what he did, which was take what he listened to and interpret. It's it was about telling the story on the stage for him. That's what it was. I mean, before Sondheim, before Sondheim, I mean, the closest you probably had to his kind of a musical was Allegro by Rodgers and Hammerstein, which was a, a, a flop. Right. But it was really, it was pre-Sondheim. It was going in that direction. I, I I think it would be a bad thing if there was another Sondheim. I think it would, or the next Sondheim. But I know what you referenced, because it was Oscar Hammerstein. Yep. Who stepped away from that tradition. Yeah. And sort of created a new tradition. And it was Sondheim who was really bizarrely close to yeah. Oscar Hammerstein. Yes. And he learned from him. And now what have these guys, do you, Jason Robert Browns, and your Michael John Lacuses, and, yep. and your um, God, Mary Rogers' son, Adam, he wrote Light in the Piazza, and for that he should always be Hold blessed on. from heaven. Let me find Adam, out for you. Adam Gutell. Adam Gutell. Yes, oh. that's it. God, it's every like he's soaring. Okay, this I can tie this into the birthday you left out. Okay. Okay, so indulge me for a second. Okay. The sweeping big orchestral loveliness of that score. Yes. Uh, uh, what do I want to say? The thing in Venice with the kid who got kicked in the head. Light in the Piazza. Light in the Piazza. I love that. I love that Beautiful score. show. I love that score. Gorgeous show. Oh um, my God. And it was beautifully staged. It yeah. Was, it was, and but the music is just phenomenal in that. It is incredible. Oh. Um, and it's that big romantic and yeah. unashamedly lush yep. big beautiful things and it's everything I hate about whose birthday you missed today whose birthday you're gonna hate miss? no you're gonna don't don't I am uh, like school librarian you like you usually school librarian me this is shameful that you don't know this. Whose birthday did I miss? Andrew Lloyd Webber's. Oh, it's his today also? I can't. Uh, you should turn in. Well, I don't know if I want to mention him in the shadow of Sondheim. I don't you know? think you should. <laughs> I think it's you have to. I guess. You do have to. I'm not a big Andrew Lloyd Webber fan. Uh, me either. You know, I'm not. There's no. really not too many of his shows. There are some songs, individual songs I like. And performances. I have performance opportunities, which Sondheim always did. But he... Yeah, overall, I, his repertoire, I am not a fan of. He might well have taken what came before him and Sondheim. You know, their generation, where for Sondheim it was Hammerstein. Who was it? Who did uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber learn from? Who did he follow? Who yeah. was his influences? What, you know, 
What drove him? Uh, I don't know the answers to any of that. No. But it's interesting because the styles are so entirely different. Oh, completely different. Completely. And, yeah. they're, the, and they're the same time period. Yeah. Together, you oh, know? yeah. They're contemporaries. Yeah, absolutely. There was those two sides, pretty much. Of So, yeah, you missed Angel Ed Webber's birthday, which, again, not so much to celebrate. Maybe a cupcake That's all right. I, I was more concerned about Stephen Sondheim. Of course you were. He's the, of course the you god were. of musical theater. There are uh, other people who will equally feel the same way, who will say, who will feel the same way equally uh, for the other one. Oh, they're going to say, what about cats? Well, <laughs> listen. What about Starlight Express? Uh, uh, there, there are people who could say, <laughs> what about, what's the one that goes backwards in time? Fuck. Oh, Merrily We Run. Merrily we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Everyone, <laughs> no, everyone has one of those. I know. So, okay. Everyone has their flops. So, Allegro. Yeah. Allegro was a flop for Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah. But, like I said, that was a progenitor of Sondheim of what was to come. You know what else is really sort of debatable and people fall on both ways about? Is the way you say that man's last name. Sondheim? No. Hammerstein. I always I usually say Hammerstein. I know and every time you do it sounds like somebody's blowing a whistle in my ear. <laughs> Why does because it sound like that? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it does. Yeah. Hammerstein. Rogers and Hammerstein. Did you did you go see it? Did you have you been yet? Make sure you go. Jesus it was was so beautiful. Hammerstein. Oscar Hammerstein. Oh my god. No, his son. The se- Oscar Hammerstein II. Well, Stephen Sondheim, wherever you are, we say Happy birthday, and thank you for all the wonderful music. Yes, I agree. Right? Beautiful thing. We now move on to our next segment. Yes, we only have one depth this week. I'm not even sure if you'll know this person. He's an actor. His name uh, was Lance Reddick. I hated him. Why did you hate him? Uh, Because that's the mood I'm in today. (laughs) And I have no idea who this person is. So I am assigning to him. I'll show you everything bitter and horrible. I'll show you a picture of Lance Reddick. I hated him. (laughs) Him with that. That's Lance Reddick. Oh my God. Beautiful. Fucking, I hate that fucking... Look at that, how beautiful that chin. <laughs> he <laughs> was. What I would do man. to that head, hey, what I would do to that head. Oh, right? But for those of you out there who don't know, Lance oh. Reddick was best known for his Fuck. roles on the TV shows The Wire and on Fringe as well. Yeah, why am I Fringe? I first saw him on the TV show Oz where he played an I undercover prisoner Oz. in that. Yeah, and he oh, became God, a drug addict really and everything. How, yeah. how old was he when he died? He was only like 60 years old. So he went, he had to be young and oh my god! And he's of course been most recently seen in the John Wick Look film series him. with Keanu Reeves. And so I guess this last John Wick movie is his last film. Then. Okay, okay, yeah. There may be some scraps somewhere later. I don't know. I don't know so I they say they. What, what I read, they said he died at sixty years old of natural causes. Well, a heart <laughs> attack was natural. I guess they usually say it's a heart attack. Well, maybe I want you to know. Yeah, I guess not. Fuck you. What do you have to know for? <laughs> Jesus God, he's what a. I hated him. <laughs> God damn. Well, to Lance Reddick, we say rest Lance in peace. Lance Reddick. Damn. Yeah. No shame. Damn. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. This is so much better. Yes, I brought it back for you. Oh, leave it there. It's today in history. Put it down and leave it there. 
<laughs> yes, sir. That should be it. Well, today in history, this album was released marking this group's debut. Uh-oh. Let's see if you recognize Wait, it. Hold on, what year? Song from the self-titled debut album, Please Please Me by the Beatles. Yeah, you know what that meant, didn't you? What did that mean? That meant like I was a hand job. Please please me. <laughs> you know? Just... I do now. I never thought of it that way before. Well, how do you listen to this music? <laughs> anyway, the album remained in the top ten in the UK for over a year, which was a record for a debut album that stood for over a half a century. It was voted number 39 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. You hear that? The song, Please Please Me, hit the top of the album charts in May of 63, and the album remained at the top of the charts for 30 weeks before being replaced by the Beatles' second album, With the Beatles, which was released in November of later that year. Oh, damn. That had never happened before. This, the album was a combination of cover songs and individual uh, original songs. Who'd they cover? Well, one of their most famous this is this song which I'm about to play for you. Work it on out. Do you hear people say that? The fucking Beatles. <laughs> I love the Beatles. I always but do. that song was recorded in one take. Because that. after that, John Lennon's voice was totally shot after singing that. And he wasn't initially happy with the way his voice sounded. Okay, well, can you do better? Because if not, we're printing this motherfucker. It's, it was great. It reached number two on Billboard's chart during the same week that all five, the top five singles were all Beatles songs. Ain't that some shit? And that was number two. Has anybody ever done that before? No. That was not, had never been done before. Has anybody done it since? Not that I'm aware of. Not that, not that anyone I can think of. The top five for a week. Yeah. Billboard, everybody else. Yep. Fucking all the, all the same singer, band, act. Group. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that was quite... They were a, quite a phenomenon, yeah. you know? They really were. People don't... Young people today don't understand the sensation that they caused on the pop and rock music scene, you it know? It, I mean, it wasn't the first one because they stood on a lot of shoulders, but... Oh, of course. They, of course. They, um, they'll be the first... They'd be the first to admit that, you know? Probably a song about it. Anyway, yeah. I, I, I'm all about the Beatles. Yeah. So, happy anniversary to the album Please Please Me. Please Please Me. That means a hand job. You As you're, like, kissing her by, behind the neck and you say, please... And you take her hand... Or his hand. And you move it down. I'm trying to relate to a straight audience. <laughs> I think we need to expand. <laughs> I think we need to move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I've got to do things. 
But yes, it's time for What Day Is It? What day is it? And tonight, tonight is the first night of Ramadan. Ramadan, okay. Ramadan is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. It's observed with fasting, prayer, reflection, and charity. Stop. Yes. What do you know about the other months of the Muslim calendar? How many months are there on the Muslim calendar? I do not know. Okay. But this is the ninth one. Yes, this is the ninth month. And the month itself is called Ramadan. 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 It it's, uh, lasts from 29 to 30 days from the sighting of the crescent moon. Okay. Or what we call the fingernail moon okay. to the, to the sighting of the next crescent moon. I've never heard the word fingernail moon in my You've life. You've never heard that you before? You homosexual. <laughs> Crescent moon, whatever. But anyway, it commemorates the first revelation to Muhammad, in which he was visited by the angel Jibril or Gabriel. Okay, no, it was Jibril who revealed to him the beginnings of what would later become the Quran. Okay. And it took place in a cave called Hira, located in a mountain near Mecca in Saudi Arabia. Now, wait, wait a second. Hira and a mountain, isn't that Greek? Uh, isn't Hira the mother of the gods? And isn't No, that's Hera. Spell both. H-E-R-A is the goddess. And the name of this cave is Hira, H-I-R-A. Okay, I think you're being a semantical right now. <laughs> Because it also the association of the mountain. Well, the you know the, the there's no relation where the god Mount Olympus where the gods lived. Hero was the mother of the there's gods. There's no relation. You're saying there's no relation. Same words. Yeah. Okay. No relation. No relation. No relation. Nothing to do with each other at all. Nope. Okay. Not a coincidence. No, I'm gonna let it go. Okay. But it is scheduled to end this year on the evening of April twentieth. April twentieth. Yes. What day is it? Today is March twenty second. It's like day 82 or something. Well, it lasts approximately 29 to 31 days. No, yeah, no. I was talking about what day is it. Oh, okay. And you said March something, and I said, was that like day 82? Day 82? Day, yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, day yeah. 82. Uh, I guess. Maybe not. Anyway. Anyway. Um, uh, okay. So, so yeah. to any what of is, our Muslim listeners out there, we wish you a blessed Ramadan. I don't know what how, what that greeting is supposed to be. I, I don't know if there is a greeting for it. You know there is a greeting for it. You say, happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, holy fuck, sorry, everybody. Well, I don't know, like it, like when the Hebrews fast for, um, what's the holiday? Rosh, is it Rosh Hashanah? No, Yom Kippur, they have the saying, you know, may you have an easy fast. Of course, everybody... I don't know if they have the equivalent of that for Muslims during Ramadan. I think to assume, or not to assume, because that's not maybe what you did, but to think that uh, an entire religion of people is going to enter a month of fasting without some sort of uh, prayer, at the very least. Well, of course they're going to pray. ceremony or something. All of us together, okay, we're all in this. We're all going to do this. You ready? Let's sing. And yeah, so there's got to be something. But so, yeah, all right, Ramadan. Good luck to you. Yeah. Happy whole, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the proper <laughs> greeting is. I'm ashamed to say. But you should, like, make sure that you put that up there, whatever the proper greeting is. I certainly will. This way I can I could learn it. I will find out as soon as this podcast is over tonight. Ah, good. Because I don't want to do it myself. Oh, okay. God forbid you should actually exert any effort. I don't want to do it. (laughs) We now move on to our next segment. Turn your head and call. (coughs) I think I got a little. Yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah. And tonight we're going to talk about fungus. I love this. There's a fungus among us. Yes. There is a drug-resistant and potentially deadly fungus Uh that is spreading rapidly through U.S. healthcare facilities. Oh, dear. 
It's a type of yeast called Candida auris. I don't like it. And it can cause severe illness in people with weakened immune systems. Candida auris? Yes. Sounds like a drag name. <laughs> Candida auris. Candida auris. I hate to see the costume. I'd love to see the costume. But the fungus can be found not only on the skin, but throughout the body. Okay, what causes it? It doesn't say, so I'm a, it, I guess the fungus growth. How do you? How does the fungus get from person to person? Um, they gotta touch each other. They gotta fuck each other. What they gotta do? They gotta share a broom. I don't know. All right. There's no indicate, no indication. But they're of that. finding this in healthcare facilities. Yes, usually most of them are long-term healthcare facilities. Okay. ICU units, nursing homes. Okay. You know, things of that nature. All right, well, there's a, there's a connection. But they're saying that the number of infections has increased, as well as the number of people who are getting infected, but they're not showing any effects, but they can pass it on to other people. Okay. So they're saying this has been a becoming a growing, growing problem. It's now been detected in more than half of U.S. states. But we don't know how it transfer, transfers from person to person. I'm assuming just through contact in the same room, maybe, depending on how far... Or, or through a physical fungus, contact. You would think a fungus is not gonna. It's not airborne, right? If it has spores, uh, maybe you got you got a fungus in your lung. Yeah, a fungus in your you lung. Can have a fun <laughs> I had a fungal infection in my mouth when I started using my inhaler, and I was I wasn't aware I was supposed to rinse my mouth out after using the inhaler, and I developed a fungal infection in my mouth because of that. That's so hot. <laughs> but. They can happen that way. All right. All right. All right. So there's a lot of it going around. Yes. All right. So I guess if you have a weakened immune system, be careful what medical facilities you go to visit, you know? On the other hand, go to your medical facility. <laughs> if you have the fungus. Don't touch anybody. Right. Wear a mask. Uh, we, we now move on to our next segment. Put your hair up. Wherein we take a look into my briefs. And don't wear flip-flops. <laughs> Because that's what a fungus will do to you. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm a little stuck on the fungus right now. Well, that's all right. I'm doing an update on a story that you brought up last week. That's never a good sign. Do you remember talking about uh, Oregon and Utah taking oh, over counties some, or whatever? Or somebody was doing something, yeah. I well, know. I researched further into the story to, okay. to get the story straight. You had nothing better to do. Obviously not. Uh, so what did you find out? <laughs> well, you had the, the, you had the one state, right, Oregon... But it wasn't Utah. The other state was Idaho. Okay, so so you got to orient me here. Okay. This is going to help me. Okay? okay, Oregon is the very top in the corner over there to your left. Yes. Okay, so on, connecting to the south of that is Washington. Uh, yes. So connecting to the east of that because there can be nothing to the yes, it'd be to the east of Oregon. Uh, is, it, is Idaho? Is Idaho? Yes. Why do I always put Idaho lower? I don't know. Okay, they grow potatoes. Because you know it's got that long strip, and then it opens up the shape of the state. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So okay. anyway, there's been a group called Move Oregon's Border for a Greater Idaho, uh, which proposes breaking off uh, most of Oregon's area and some of Northern California and to join it with Idaho. And they dropped the California part and eventually just concentrated on Eastern Oregon. Then. So they want to make that they want to make this Eastern Oregon part of part Idaho. of Idaho. Idaho of what they're calling Greater Idaho. Okay. 
So in November, as of November 2022, 11 counties in Oregon, that's out of 36, had approved ballot measures in favor of seceding from Oregon and joining Idaho. Okay. So now... Seems like a lot. What? Is that a lot? It's geographically, it's a little bit about more than half of the state, but population-wise... The western half of Oregon is much greater than the population in eastern Oregon. So if I'm eastern Oregon is more rural, it's more almost like a desert atmosphere in a manner of speaking. Uh, so it wouldn't be so weird for somebody to say we we'll give that shit up. But there's is is that little strip of Idaho that connects to Oregon? Yes, worth. Is they are they looking to expand? Well, they're looking to become part of Idaho. That who's gonna? But I'm talking about the Idaho that already exists. Yes, looks like it's going in my head up and down among Oregon. Right. And now that upper part may move west now. Oh, so it's going to make that tall, skinny part of Idaho thicker. Yes, exactly. And is there? What's the benefit to the people of Idaho for that? Well, it's not so much a benefit for the people. Well, it'll probably benefit them with a population increase. It's more of a benefit for the people of Eastern Oregon who feel that their interests are not adequately represented in the Oregon government. Oregon is considered a blue state primarily okay. because of its voting pattern, because of the heavy populations in the western part of Oregon, primarily in the cities. Oh, the right, 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 right. So the eastern part of Oregon feels they're not being represented in that government, so they want to join Idaho, which is a true red red Republican Well, they state. feel that their their political uh, is going to be more met by these people over there. Yeah. And you don't give a shit about us, so we're going to go over there. How many people are we talking about? That The population numbers, I don't know off the top of my head. 10, 12, we're talking 25? I, I, I don't know. We're talking probably like hundreds of thousands, maybe. Oh, no, all right, I'm thinking 10, Or tens 12, of thousands. I don't know. I don't know the numbers. Talk talking about 25 individuals. Okay. God, you missed that? Go ahead. This is all authorized by law under Article 4, Section 3, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution. Okay. What do Idaho and Oregon say? Well, that's the whole thing. Now that these 11 counties have made this vote of approval to join Idaho, now the two state legislatures have to, well, I guess, talk to amongst themselves first and then talk to each other. Assuming that those state legislatures approve the secession of those counties and having them join Idaho, it then has to be approved by Congress. Right. So there's a bit of a process to it. Yeah, I said, I said, I remember saying it. It's a... It was a big thing. But like I said, this is not this is similar things have happened before. Kentucky was originally part of Virginia until it seceded and became its own state. Maine was originally part of Massachusetts, as we discussed last week. That became its own state. And West Virginia during the Civil War. That seceded from Virginia in 1863 and became its own state. All right. Why'd they do that? Well, what, uh, West Virginia is all mountains. Yeah, but they, and they, were, they were pro-Union. They were, not, they were against seceding from the Union. Right, and everybody, well, the whole South was about Virginia. Yeah. Virginia, exactly. South Carolina, Georgia. So that's the story on that. I so excited. I wanted to give an update on that. Well, uh, uh, yeah, okay. I'm with you. Okay. So we'll now move on into our next segment. Right. Yes, it's time for the Week in Fascism. And what a week it's been. Never ending tale. 
Well, first we have Arkansas. Okay. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you oh, remember her? I do, with a chill and a cold sweat. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, she signed a bill into law on Tuesday that bars transgender people from using multiple-person restrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identity in public schools and charter schools. It is now the fourth state to institute such a restriction on uh. access to restrooms. Under the law, though, schools must provide reasonable accommodations for transgender people, including single-person restrooms. And if a district, a principal, or a teacher violates the law, a state panel can fine them a minimum of $1,000, and parents can file private suits to enforce it. Okay. This sounds more to me like separate but equal. I don't know. You know, when they had separate but equal facilities for black students... Black and separate, you know, with water fountains, bathrooms. What is it that... Uh, what is this about? Is this about because... The well, in people, their eyes, it's about protecting the children. No, no, no. I'm talking about from the other side. Okay. Where do they want to go? What do they want to do? What do they want to do? The trans people, what is their goal? They, like, they, they want to have... Equal access. Equal access. So, so if yes. I identify as a female, I, have ac I should have access to uh, females-only bathrooms. Yes. And if I identify as male, then I should have access to those bathrooms. Yes. Okay. Which means that by right, everybody's going to have access to all the bathrooms, right? No. Yeah. Why? Anyway, anyway it doesn't matter. So, so they want to be able to just, to just use the bathroom of their choice. And you're saying that by having a bathroom set aside for... Transgender people. That that is separate but equal. Yes. That's right. exactly what I'm saying. Okay. You know? I, I, I don't know enough about it to offer uh, an opinion that's not going to get me stoned in a public <laughs> square somewhere. So... Well, this is on top of also another bill that's pending in Arkansas that would make it a crime for transgender adults to use... Public changing facilities that are in line with their gender identity. All right, okay. So it's like, yeah, Arkansas is getting a real hard-on for transgender people, you know? We don't care what you see yourself as. We're going to tell you who you are and where you should go. Right? Because that's the pending most important issue of the country right now. Well, <laughs> it seems like maybe it is because everybody's talking about it. It's, it's an important thing, but, you know, also there's an element of common sense here. Mind your business, shut up, unless they're bothering you. What the fuck difference does it make if... No. Yeah, I know. I know. I agree with your frustration. I, I don't know. It's... it's uh, you got to move on. I'm going to move on to an event that just happened here in New York City. What happened? What happened? What did Audrey do? Oh, no. Audrey didn't do anything. She's got it soon, though. New York Attorney General Letitia James hosted a Drag Story Hour event at the um, Gay and Lesbian Center in Manhattan, in Lower Manhattan. It's about a block away from the Stonewall. Okay. And she hosted a Drag drag Time Story Hour there. So, of course, a protest took place outside, and involved among that protest were the Proud Boys. This is the guy who went home. Well, supposedly one bloody. of them got a bloody, uh, got, had a, got bloodied a bit for protesting. Another one got arrested for attacking a pro-drag protester. In or out of drag? I, I don't know. This doesn't, doesn't say. But basically, it seems like they were basically chased out of the area. Right. And looking at the videos, that's exactly what it looks like. Right. What really got me, though, listening to the, the counter-protesters against them, they're saying, you know, get out of here, go home, go back to Long Island. And that's where a lot of them are from. I'm, I'm sure. And that's just like, that's a sad comment on Long Island. That's the reality of Long Island. Yeah. And it's, you know. Well, it's really, Long Island is redder than red, you know? We hang on by a thread to 
you know, the population in New York City not all suddenly becoming those people. What people? Those people, those truck driving with both flags flapping in the back, <laughs> person with guns. You know? uh, oh, yeah. Daughter wives. God. <laughs> I don't know. You know who I'm talking about. Yes, I do. You're in next. And then lastly, Donald Trump last week had called for protests because of his pending arrest that he said was going to take place on Tuesday. Can I just say, this was up there for my gripe of the week. Mine, well, not for my, um, it's not my gripe of the week, but I'm discussing this and we like to watch. Um, I don't know what you're going to discuss, but it seems to me that his control over an entire media universe... That's exactly what I'm going to discuss. ...is is frightening. Yeah. But what was what, I, what I'm bringing up now about this is, you know, he told people, come out, take America back, protest, protest, protest. So the New York Young Republican Club, they had a protest outside the Federal District Court in Lower Manhattan. There were more reporters than there were protesters. Okay. I saw another video of these five young women uh, holding a protest or whatever outside of Trump Tower. So it seems like Trump's call for protest kind of fizzled out, well, to say the least. To be fair, uh, these protesters now, there's... Um, I don't know what I had just heard, but there's more. The, the New York City Police Department is like 36,000 officers. Mm-hmm. That's not like the staff of the New York Police Department. No, that's officers on the street, on the street with guns and badges. Yep. So the city itself, 36,000 people can block off the fucking DA's office. Yeah. Or the courtroom or the courthouse or wherever the fuck he's going to be. Right. So you're dealing with the NYPD. You're dealing with uh, ultimately some sort of federal federal uh, law enforcement agency because he's got Secret Service protection. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Always. So uh, who's going to go protest on the thing, uh, you know? I know. In Manhattan. Well, that's why I was, when I was reading the story about, you know, the impending arrest. And people were talking about, I guess, on social media, were talking about forming a human chain around Mar-a-Lago. And it's like, if he's indicted, it's not going to work that way. That the cops going to be bursting into Mar-a-Lago. He's going to come in quietly with his attorney. They'll arrest them. They'll fingerprint them, photograph them, and then send them home. Appear before a judge, get his bail set. Yeah, it's, it's just like this is getting so ridiculous. But we're going to get we're going to get more into that. And we like to watch. Okay. Um. Okay, I'm just hoping I don't forget. Well, if you oh, don't bring, worry, I'm going to bring it up. You're so. bring it up. It's I'll on probably, my list. It'll probably burn my ass again. But of course, and this now leads us into we like to watch. We're watching you, watching you, watching you, watching you. So let's start off with this topic. That's the media coverage of this whole Trump quote unquote arrest. Okay. Just because he said I'm going to be arrested on Tuesday. The news media has been covering this 24-7, non-stop, ad nauseum. They're not covering the news. They're milking the news. And they let him control it. He's the ringmaster. That's my issue right there. You just said it. I thought I said it before, but no, you just said it now. That's what I'm saying. Right? Why is everybody going... Because of what he said. He gave the state... The district attorney uh, did not say on Tuesday next week we're going to arrest him ever. No. He was still taking testimony the past week. They had a witness come today before uh, the grand uh, jury, many, I think, or tomorrow. How many hours of airtime were spent in anticipation of yesterday? Yeah. If you know what it is, you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. This is what it is. It's 
No, it's not the same thing. This is what happens when you have 24-hour news stations that have to fill the time. Okay, I would... So they take a story like this and stretch it out to ridiculous lengths. You're probably more correct, because I was thinking more like uh, he was the guy... Wait, hold on, I lost it again. Sorry. <laughs> it was worth listening to in my head. Okay. Maybe we'll go back. But I'm just sick of every time it's on the news, it's about Trump and his pending criminal oh, charges. this is what it was. It was the the declarations that uh, January 23rd is going to be on again. The world's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And the world's going to end. And it's going to happen on October 23rd. Why October 23rd? And, and nobody knows. But all of these dates over millennia have gone by with not, it not happening. The who, Armageddon who, not happening. Who told you this? Oh, my God. I can't. How can I? How, never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not sure what that has to do with what we're discussing. No, uh, well, because you wouldn't let me get to it. Oh, it's, it's my fault. Okay, so it, it, it's like these people who predict the end the end times are happening, and they predict a specific date, and it doesn't happen. Ah, I understand your analogy. Now. Okay, so so except for I decided it didn't work because their frame of reference, what they're judging it on, yes, is somebody dead, something that's okay. This is a real life person. Yes. So the fact that these people are sort of acting the same way, it's not the same thing because their person is a real person and the other people's per- person was whatever they made up. Yeah. That's what I that's what that's what just happened. Okay. So so yeah, shut up. Yeah, I yeah. just And you should know better when the DA says something that you know what the DA does. I mean, yes, we know this will be when if and when it happens, it will be unprecedented. Mm. That a president of the United States is being arrested for a crime the constant that watch. he committed during his presidency. But you know what? There are plenty of other countries around the world, some of them being democracies, that have arrested and convicted their leaders. It's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. Even when it happens there, it's a big deal. You know, it's a but big it's deal. not. It shouldn't be considered unprecedented. It will. Uh, uh, it's, it's such a no. It's called the rule of law, and this is what happens when you violate the law. And on March fifteenth, he, he he they decided that the law included twenty two stab wounds. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like whatever the law. Like this is the law of in the first time uh, in, a, in under this constitution, this government, uh, and it's. 200 and some years of existence has never done this before. It would have happened to Nixon if uh, Ford hadn't pardoned him. Maybe it should have happened to Andrew Jackson. Who the fuck's not? It didn't happen. And it might happen now. We're expecting it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen with this one, there's still three more chances. Oh, there's plenty of, yeah, Georgia, the happen. federal case. I mean, still, I, I get your point of wanting my time back. And why did you not cover other things instead? Yeah. Things that, as a newsroom, you should know that whatever the fuck that idiot down in, in Florida says, we're not going to know anything right? until the DA does something. Holy shit, the DA just called in a witness. That's news. Exactly. Okay? Uh, what does it mean for half a day? That's news. Yeah, I get it. I, I am so sick of it. I am just... And I want it so badly to happen. Oh, my I'm God. Waiting. I can't wait till it happens. I'm waiting <clears throat> on this watch. But like I said, I, I just... I'm st- I stopped watching the news because of the yeah. ad nauseum coverage of this. It's thing. just like I had, like... I had, like, Putin and China all getting together. And yeah. And all snuggly cozy. So, right. You know, tell me about that. 
Yeah. Fucking whoever you are on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger, uh, no, it's not Roger Grimsby. But aside from that, was there anything else that you watched new this week? Oh, uh, no. No? Nothing no, new? No, nothing new. Nothing new on RuPaul? Uh, RuPaul had an, a new episode. Another queen went home. Oh. Yeah, it's a long... It's a long I'm a long think, slog. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the... Uh, oh, I think it was a rusical. It was a rusical. Oh. Uh, actually, it was a rusical based on Footloose. Oh, my God. So the mayor didn't want the drag queens coming. <laughs> and eventually the drag queens overtake, you know, this, the story. So yeah. They, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Ru, uh, uh, yeah, rusical. It's good. It's <laughs> and how was it? Was it was awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you, one day you're going to kill yourself that you didn't watch those rusicals. Wait, for some reason we don't get, we can't get the new seasons on, you know? This was this rusical based on Footloose. Can't remember what the fuck they called it. Was really good oh, as God. a rusical, like a good. This is what a rusical should do. Okay, yeah, it was it was really good. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Well, we watched a couple of new things. Uh, I'm watching two new things. I'll tell you about the bad one first. Okay, good. Because it's a movie on Netflix. It's like in the top ten of movies, and it sucked. Uh, all right. It's a movie called Noise, and it looks like I guess it's a Belgian movie. It's obviously dubbed, but it takes place in Belgium, and it's all about this younger man. I'd say probably late twenties, early thirties, maybe. Belgiumese. Bel. I don't know what they call them. Belgians. Belgians, okay. But he's a media influencer, which is like a turn me off right away from the beginning. Yeah, you sat and watched it. And he has he comes he has now moved back into his childhood home. Okay. With his wife, uh, who is a aspiring caterer. She has her own catering business. Okay. And they also have a newborn infant son. Okay. And the guy's father lives in a nearby nursing home, and he used to own a factory that was nearby in the area where this accident happened. Already I want you dead. And the father hints that something else more may have happened there. Well, there wasn't a single character in the movie that I really liked, except maybe the baby, and the baby cried throughout the whole fucking movie. Uh, But like the lead character was just so annoying and obnoxious. The whole theme of noise and how it's bothering him totally underdeveloped the story itself is undeveloped they don't tell you enough to explain what's going on okay at all it was just That's annoying it was a bad movie and we think like, it was only an hour and a half thank god thank god it wasn't too long yeah so it's as long as aladdin yeah i guess but do not waste your time even i know it's like i said it's in the top 10 of netflix right now I don't know why, because it's a bad movie. Well, why did you watch it? Was it because it was in the top ten of Netflix? No, we were just flipping through, looking for something to watch. We put the promo on for it. We're like, oh, this looks like interesting. Well, you this can't, looks like some do, kind you of can't mystery. don't watch promos. But it was a bad mystery. They just un- It was un- totally undeveloped. Okay. really was. That's too bad. But then we saw a good bad movie. Okay. Cocaine Bear! Oh. How was it? <laughs> it was great. <laughs> we laughed our asses off. All right. In between limbs being torn off, of okay. course. But it's this whole fictionalization of a true story of when this cocaine landed uh, in a forest area. A lot of cocaine. Yes, and I guess a bear got to whatever, and I guess the bear eventually died. Well, yeah. But in this movie, Pounds the, the bear lives and becomes a psycho bear. Is the bear, <laughs> is the bear alive at the end of the movie? I think so, yes. They actually leave room for the sequel, because there are also two bear cubs, and they become hooked to the cocaine, too. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm not... Okay, go ahead. But it's just... 
It's a funny ass movie. The best line in the movie, and you should see it just so you can hear this line. And it's said by Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Okay, I love him. Yeah, and he, and he says it to Margot Martin uh, Dale, okay. great actress. Don't know her. And she plays a ranger, and he says, "You've got a dusty beaver here, ranger." Oh, see now, and, now you have to see the scene, but and you'll get it. It needs context. Yeah, yeah. But it's the funniest line in the movie. And sadly, it's Ray Liotta's last film. All right. He plays the villain in it, of course. The bear? No, he plays a drug dealer. All right. Yeah, he's a he's the bad guy. He in the was movie. expecting what the bear ate. Yeah, yes, he wanted his henchmen to go retrieve to go get the cocaine. The cocaine. And never mind this coked out bear that's gardening. It. Nah, never mind. Now nah, you go back and get that cocaine. Give me that cocaine. Tick tock. <laughs> TikTok. But it's a fun, stupid movie, you know. All right. It's great for a Friday or a Saturday night. Get out the popcorn. Have some laughs in between limbs being torn off. That's too much pressure. <laughs> but that was it for this week and we like to watch. We now move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Yes, it's time for stupid people. What do they do now? Well, first, speaking of Idaho, Idaho Republicans in the state legislature, uh, what did they do? They rejected a bill that would have funded menstrual products in public school girls' bathrooms. Wait. Yes. That wasn't already happening? No. Where is this? This was in Idaho. They rejected it. Some of the members said that the proposal was liberal and they objected to some of the work terms describing the inaccessibility to tampons and pads. What does that mean? Well, they objected specifically to the terms period poverty and menstrual equity. Now, I have no idea what those terms mean. Do you? I could, I could sort of guess. You can sort of guess. There, there are some girls who can't, who aren't supplied, who don't have access to it. This right. would be their own. And okay, I get it. I support it. Exactly. Well, they voted it down in Idaho. Uh, all right. It seems to me like this is not something that should be up for debate. No kidding. These schools pay for toilet paper, tissue, tissues, uh, paper, no, paper towels, right. soap dispensers, soap. They pay for all that. Why aren't they paying for this? Because the boys don't need it. It's just, yeah, because the boys don't need it. And it's an icky thing to talk about. Boys I guess. don't like talking about it. It's icky and it's that. This is the state legislature we're talking about, you know? Oh, how many adults do you know are still the same 12-year-olds you remember them as? Yeah, I know. Uh, come on. Please, I know. You're old enough to know better. To the Republicans in Idaho state legislature, we say... Stupid! You're so stupid! Yes, they are. But they're not alone. There's also an author out with a new book. Her name is Rebecca Colshaw. She wrote a book called The Real AIDS Epidemic. How the tragic HIV mistake threatens us all. Okay. And, it, and according to the, uh, the, the, the blurb, it explains how the current government-based structure of scientific research has corrupted science as a search for truth. It also challenges the reporting of the book and the band played on, written by Randy Schiltz, okay, who that's... chronicled the whole emergence and the initial epidemic of AIDS. Okay. sure she's not a biologist. She's never worked with HIV in a lab. She's never treated an uh, HIV patient. She's a mathematician. She calls herself a mathematical biologist does she have any college credentials? yeah no she does she has college degrees what are her credentials? And i don't know if the time what is she i mean what is she trained at, at? what she's she trained in mathematics so she based her work on mathematical models and her and her conclusion is that is that HIV was not the cause of AIDS. Okay. And, um, that, and that the drugs that they're using uh, to treat minorities and gay people with AIDS 
is akin to how they treated black people in the Tuskegee experiments. Oh, that's okay. what she's saying. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot to unpack because there's... Especially when all, you have two people here who grew up during the height of the AIDS epidemic. What is her evidence for her claim? Does she cite anything? Does she prove anything? Does she say that these people, uh, according to all of this evidence that I and I alone after these 40 years have found out, is that? And she puts forth this theory, okay? So what does she provide as evidence of that theory? What does she back I it do up not with? know because I have not read the book. All right. It seems but she be- has been maintaining this posture since at least... 2006. All right. Well, it seems to me, unless I know what her, what her, like, is she proving it or is she just like, is she a psycho? It, she's another, what they call HIV AIDS denialist, oh, of which there are quite a few who've been dating back since the epidemic started. Honey, people still think the world is flat. I mean, come on. I know. They're offended by dinosaurs outside of McDonald's. But anyway, a coalition of like 30 groups led by ACT UP sent a letter to Sir Simon & Schuster asking them to stop the distribution of the book. All right, well. Saying that this book could turn people away from taking their medications, not following their medical regimens, not believing in what the true medical science is. Okay. And, as, and they also go on to state that this has all been proven under subsequent experimentation and testing in various roles and scenarios <clears throat> on animals luckily, since AIDS the AIDS epidemic first started. Luckily, okay, she what was like the first couple of things she said, she covered that. She was like, science is corrupted, science has been poisoned. That we is, know. Okay. And then she says, and because of that, we can't trust that science. I'm telling you what happened. And what happened was this. Okay. So that's what she's doing. So she already takes care of the fact that she didn't provide any evidence by saying outright, the evidence I would supply would be tainted anyway. Well, she because says... science is so tainted. First of all, she refers to AIDS as a severe immune deficiency. Okay. And she says it's caused by the same things that caused immune deficiencies before the advent of AIDS. How does she know that? Prove it to me. And then... Yeah. And then... First of all, prove it to me, and then you wouldn't have mentioned it if you didn't have an alternate answer. So what's your answer to the question? Now, what do we do with the people who have this thing instead of that thing? What do we do for that? That you would treat it the normally the way you would treat other immune deficiencies. Okay. That's her answer. Okay. That's her answer. And and she has no proof to back this up. Just her mathematical models. Okay. Well, to be able to make up a mathematical model about something, well, never mind. It's just... I know. Well, Simon & Schuster, they got the letter and they said, look, we're not in charge of distributing the book that's distributed by a third-party contractor and we have no control over the titles that they distribute. Let me just say, this is not a Simon & Schuster problem. No. Simon & Schuster. Simon & Simon. Simon & Schuster. The people, the, 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 the groups that you mentioned, instead of... Wait, putting their energies into this this fight with Simon and Schuster. Uh, go out into their people and their public and 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 talk to the people. Of course, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what they should be doing. And if you have, uh, what they should be doing is showing up wherever this woman shows up to promote her book. Anyway, to Rebecca Colshaw and all those other HIV AIDS denialists, we say stupid. You're so stupid. Just how do you deny something? I don't know. I know. I know. The same way people deny COVID. I saw a pretty... You know? I, 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 I saw a meme of 
a gigantic human skull, and there was somebody next to it, a human next to it. Yeah. The human, it was easily twice the size of the human. Okay. And a human male. And it was that they, it, it was to serve as proof of the existence of Goliath. Okay. So it was proof of the Bible's truth and existence. Yes. Or existence and truth, okay. however you want us. And then, of course, the comments after such a thing are just what you, what you hope for. Yeah. It's just not like, to have that size head, like they had this huge, it was like the size of a fucking one of the president's cars or something, oh, one no. of those SUVs. <laughs> that was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. They just, you didn't, wow, God. Ah, you're choosing to be ignorant. Yep. On the other hand, maybe I'm choosing to be ignorant instead. No. Maybe it's on me that I don't know what they know. No, we've been fully informed about this. We, like I said, we've lived through this era. You know? Well, th- this specifically is just stupid. And it's not worth any time if she don't have any evidence and she doesn't have an alternate uh, response. Well, her alternate response is it's not caused by HIV. Uh, it's just an immune deficiency. Treat it like any other way. Don't use those medications they're giving you their poison. Okay. That's her message. And and, and have people done this? That I don't she know. has tracked and counted and numbered and maintained and have they been seen by Fitz Doctor do not know. Julie Andrews, take us away. Some roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Thank you, Julie. It needs to be louder. Uh, I'll make it louder next time. Yeah, it needs to be louder. Okay. I need it loud. But in honor of Stephen Sondheim's birthday for five phase, we decided to pick our five favorite Stephen Sondheim scores. That can include shows that he just wrote the lyrics for, as well as both music and lyrics. Okay. So, what did you, what's number one on your list? When you... When you say scores, it sort yes. of means... I'm keeping out the production, the book. No, 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 but it's, what I'm saying is that's, that sort of leads you to not just lyrics. Well, it's music and lyrics. I'm sorry, Stephen Sondheim, number one. Okay, so so number one is a shared spot. Okay. But I had, can only mention one. Well, you don't have to put them in sequential order. They should yeah, be I your do. five favorite. That, yeah. I mean, I know what my number one is. Uh, I, I, okay, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, that's on my list as well. Yeah, it's my number one, Sweeney Todd. I, I, I almost knew that you were going to pick that one yeah. as your number one. Yeah. It's a, it is a great score. It is everything. It's, it's, I mean, it's been done as an opera. It's been performed as an opera. Well, that was the question, is did you write an opera? He said that he was always asked, did, did you write an opera? Where should this piece be performed? And what should we call it? And he said, what you call it depends on where you perform it. If you perform it at an opera house, it's called an opera. If you perform it on a Broadway stage, it's called a musical. Yeah. So it's whatever you interpret it as. I guess. So it depends on where they played it. But yes, it plays as in an, it's written as a ballad opera. Yep. It's just... It's, it's amazing. It's I an, mean... It's an amazing... The solo songs are fantastic. The ensemble numbers... I mean, just the opening and the closing alone, I would just love to be in the ensemble just to sing those, that, that, that closing and opening numbers. Unbelievable. You know? Unbelievable. And it, it was cut from the movie. There's no ensemble singing I know, the movie. which kills me. And, and... The movie ruined it. The it movie... Was, the movie was bad. The movie was terrible. Do not watch the movie. Yeah, and it's on, like, a chorus line bad. It was... Oh, it yeah. Was bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It was such a disappointment. I think Alan uh, Rickman was like the only decent thing in the whole film. I mean, yeah, it was it was bad. 
It was it was photographed beautifully. Yeah, and it, and it, uh, it was bad. But yeah, Sweeney, I love. I just I, I from the from the opening moment when that when that horn sounds. Yep. Uh, yeah, to the very end, you just can't breathe. You just can't breathe. And I think my my favorite number from that show is Joanna. Not the solo number. No, yeah, the, one the trio, which absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. What a gorgeous number that is. Oh my god. And that's the thing. Sondheim loves doing trios like that. Yeah. He really does. And he Wait, does a fantastic job with them. Um, he wrote a trio thing, which I'm going to give my honorable mention to. Go ahead. What's yeah, your, I know. What's yours, number one? My number one, of course, is also my favorite musical, of course, is, is Follies. Has to be Follies. Holly, Follies was really the first Sondheim show that I was really exposed to. I mean, yes, I'd seen productions of, of Forum, but Follies was a show that I like. When I heard the score, I fell in love with it immediately. And that was years before I ever even saw a production of it on stage. Well, it's just... It's my, it's the one that would have shared the first spot with Sweeney Todd for me. Okay. Okay, so it by nature of me having to choose, comes in two. Yeah. For me, is Follies. It's, it, it's a pastiche. It's that, a pastiche, but it's also like... It's an epic musical about these four people having a midlife crisis. Yeah, breaking down in the middle of a broken In a way, it, it reminds me of... I hate to sound pretentious, like James Joyce's Ulysses. Which is this epic novel about this Jewish Irishman in his one day in Dublin. Okay. And that's what this reminds me of. It's this epic musical about these four people. It's the moment everything comes to a head. Yeah. And it's just done so brilliantly. The music is just, oh my God. He gets into the, the psyche of characters really, really well. Yeah. A song like The Road I Didn't Take. Oh my God, great song. Okay. And for her... It's uh, leave you, leave you. Why would I leave you? Yeah. What, would I, oh, what yeah. is it called? Leave you. Le leave. I think it's called leave you. Um, yeah. For for an actress, that's a. Gift. Oh my god, that's a gift. That number, <laughs> right? All of it, but total all of it. gift. Even the one where that that Bernadette sang, the 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 one that Sally sings, losing my mind, losing my mind. That mm -hmm. whole sequence at the end, where each. Of oh the my god! Yeah. The whole loveland sequence. Brilliant. That was just amazing. It just comes out of the blue. It's, it's, you know, there's this all those whole, they're all four of them are arguing. It's and then right it breaks in. into this Loveland sequence. The only time there's, there's a big, beautiful set, otherwise, you're in a backstage that's in the process of being torn down. Yeah. So the only pretty stuff you see is what the, is costuming, really, because the set is supposed to be. And the costumes, well, they were fantastic. When I, the production, we saw that production, production. But as a written piece of music, it's. It's. it's yeah, it's phenomenal. Unsurpassed. Yeah, it as really is. As a pastiche, is. as a character thing. Yeah. I mean, the pastiche numbers, like the solo numbers, like I'm Still Here and Broadway Baby. So many great numbers. And then if you listen to the numbers that, he, that were cut from the show, yeah. it's like, oh my God, those yeah. are great too. But when you get to the point where, you know what, that's only a one joke song. Oh, can that boy Fox drive? Yeah, okay, okay. That, yeah, it's a one joke song. It's a one joke song, and but how many one joke? There was. An but then, there, what's the stuff. what's the number that Sondheim wrote when they brought the production to the UK and Diana Rigg played the lead? I don't know. Uh, it replaced the ballad of Lucy and Jesse oh, because she wasn't a dancer. What a shame! I can't think of the number, and she basically does a striptease. Okay, 
I, and I can't think of the and it's a great freaking number. I'm sure it is. Oh it's, it's a piece of genius to write a, a, an alternate version for somebody because you could literally you could play those characters. The fact that she requires dancing is incidental to the ability to play the character. It just comes oh, out of yeah. fucking nowhere. Right? Well, you know what? They all dance because they're all they all do the mirror number. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Uh, who's that uh, woman? I love that, that number. Great group number. The lyrics are amazing. Right? It's just it's he's so smart and so clever. The oh. turn of phrase, the the interior rhyme, it, it's everything about it is just yeah. Ugh. What's your number two? Uh, my number two. Well, it would have been Sweeney Todd. All right, so that would have been my number two. Uh, we spent enough time on those two. Yeah, my number three, and this was sometimes flop. Merrily we roll along. Yeah, you're not alone. I love. That musical. And it's another show. I've I've never seen a production of it except for what I've seen on YouTube. And I've actually there's like actually someone put the original Broadway production up there. And you can see why it failed. The production failed, but the music, I think it's great songs. I think it's his most commercially accessible of all of his musicals. Again, except maybe Forum. It's written for three people. Yeah. Those three it, people. It's basically written for these three people. And there are just so many great numbers in there. Our time has to be one of my favorite of his old songs friends. of all time. Old friends. Yeah, old friends. So many great numbers. Not a day goes by. You know? There are so many great numbers. Yeah. It just, it's a shame that it has a bad book. The book they just can't seem to make work. And I know they even revised it. Yeah, they And then they changed some of the numbers, and I heard the numbers they replaced it with, and I was like, I don't like these new numbers. Yeah. I care for them. Yeah, at it all. doesn't land. It doesn't land for you. There's some great songs in it. There are great performances of it. Yeah, but as a score, it just doesn't land for me. So uh, I'm sorry to hear That's that. Okay. So what's number three on your list? Company. I. Uh, <laughs> why did I know you were going to say that? Uh, didn't you? I Company is not on my list. Not one of my favorites. But I admit the brilliance of its score. All right. It's another pastiche. Yeah. It's so cute. And, and the first concept... It's a great book. The concept is fantastic. The the way he the writes the music for it. I mean, and I mean, the whole opening act two number. One of my favorite yeah. numbers of his. Yeah. Uh, what Will We Do Without You? I, I can't think of the name of it now. The Little Things You Do Together. Yeah. And then, of course... There's the lady, so many great songs. The Ladies Who Lunch. Yeah. You talk, oh, you talk about talk about a freaking showcase number, the ladies who lunch ensemble singing the opening. Mm -hmm. Oh, the opening. It's yeah, it's usually the first thing people begin rehearsing and the last thing they finish rehearsing. Yeah, it's so complicated. Oh my god, so, yeah, it's so perfect. Those voices are just all over. What he does is he takes. He's able to do complicated things or many silly uh, and make it land easy on the ear. Yes, so that you can understand what it is, and that's a gift. Definitely. All right, so what are we up to, four? Up to number four. Assassins. Okay, I knew you were going to say assassins. Why did you know I was going to say because that? Because you like the evil, sort of slimy, cynical... Well, I like the show because it's a, it's a twisted musical. It it's is. a it's a pageant of, of presidential assassins. Yeah, That's yeah. what it basically is. And you, you can actually see the model of this musical in productions today, when they do product. The one about uh, the wives of Henry VIII. Right, right, right. All these like pageant musicals now, where every character gets their 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 moment in the light. You that's know? interesting because that's now a, uh, another post post Sondheim effect. Yeah, right. And this show, like you said, it, it does a 
brilliant way of bringing these assassins to life and making them credible human beings. And while you may not agree with their motivations, you understand their motivations. And then they tie it together in this brilliant number called Another National Anthem. I was in a production of that show. That was the last song we learned because it is incredibly difficult. The voices are just coming from all oh, over in that number. Group we singing. spent about a good one to two weeks on that number alone. Yeah. Incredibly yeah, difficult. But it's like, it's to me, it's the climax number of the show. That's what it is. Yeah. I definitely, if you ever get a chance to see it, if they ever do a revival of somewhere, go see it. It's a good score and it has an interesting history because why write it? Yeah. In the first place. And then when it opened, what happened? Well, it was, it was September around about 2001. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, it didn't last, last too long. And the revival. But then the revival came, and that was a big hit with Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. uh, Mario Cantone. That was, and that's the production that I saw. That's the recording that I have. I, mean, uh, I have yeah, both it's, recordings, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Just also because he wrote more than five. Yes. I did, he didn't land on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so what is number five on your list? Are we, uh, do you want to, is my number four? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't say your number four. I'm sorry. Uh, number four. Uh, Into the Woods. Good choice. Good choice. I didn't pick it. It's not one of my favorite scores, but it's a good score. They're all good choices. Just for the number, no one is alone. Yeah. That number kills me every time I hear it somewhere. Yeah. Just, ah, uh, put the knife in my heart, another, you know? Another brilliant opening number. Oh, my God, that number. It's like 10 minutes long. Yeah. You uh, meet all the characters. It's a musical fable being told to you right there. It sets everything up everything for you. Everything you need to know in the first 10 minutes. Yep. Sung beautifully. Yeah, he's good at that. He's good at those openings. Yeah, he really they is. They require a lot of work. Yeah. Probably not as much as it came in the front end, writing it, trying to get it all together in the first place. In his head. I, it's just amazing. It's I just know. amazing. It really is. So we're up to our fifth and final choice. See, this is what happened. You co-opted number three. Oh, so did you I? ended up delivering number three first. Okay. And since then, you've been confused as to who goes next. Okay. My number five is a little night music. Ah, uh, okay. It's it was an Oscar Hammerstein experiment. As I was just writing in one particular style. Right. In this case, it's all three, four time music, right. waltz music, basically. But it's not all done as a waltz. But a little night music, it's a vocalist challenge for sure. So that's my number five. I have only a couple of minutes, and okay. I'm not going to be able to finish this. Well, what's we your number five? Be, what's your fifth my, and final my choice? My fifth and final choice gets gets an emotional mention. Okay. Okay, I think it's overlooked. Okay. Okay, passion. Yeah, no, it is overlooked. No, 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 pa passion is my, oh, shit, passion is my honorable mention. Oh, okay, what's number your five? five? For me, is Pacific Overtures. Um, yeah, I'm not really familiar with that score. It's awesome. Oh, I'll have to listen to it. Everything that's great about Sondheim is in that score. Oh my God! Hey, folks, we had a rather abrupt ending to our five fave segment because uh, Tommy, on his way here tonight, his car experienced some mechanical difficulties. So during the show, he called for a tow truck and it unexpectedly arrived earlier than anticipated. So he had to leave. So we're closing down five faves and we're now moving on to the next segment with my husband, Stephen, who has volunteered to fill in for this very final segment. Hey, y'all. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old game and gripe of the week. I asked Stephen to fill in because we had to have two gripes, you know? <laughs> Not just phone, just one. So what's your gripe this week, Stephen? 
My gripe is with Stop and Shop, the suckiest store I've ever been in. Really? Why is it so sucky? We stopped going there years ago because of an issue. Okay. They sold us bad meat. Nothing, Nothing worse, worse than, than bad, bad meat. meat. <laughs> so I went in there quick the other day. I needed to get stuff that wasn't meat, you know, just paper goods and sodas or whatever. Their paper good aisle is still empty. 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 Okay. Since COVID started. Oh my God. Since the run on toilet paper. It is still empty. They had one box of tissues on the shelf. Jesus. It's like, come on, people. Stock your fucking shelves. There's no reason that every other supermarket in the area can have full shelves and your store can't. I know. Fucking pain in my asses. Yeah. Had to go all over the place for fucking tissues. Oh my god. Motherfuckers. So that's your gripe so of the week? That's my gripe of the week. Okay. You'll, my, my gripe you'll appreciate. It's about my hair. Ugh. For those of you who don't know, I usually keep my hair very, very short. But I'm going to be appearing in a play in April, so I have not had a haircut since this past September. Ugh. So my hair is quite long, which I don't mind so much. What I, what I mind, well, Stephen minds a lot. But what I do mind is my hair is incredibly wavy, and it is uncontrollable. So it, like, juts out all over the place on the sides wavy and the back. And frizzy. It's just, it's a mess. Once side of the back curls up the other one the sides lays flat right it's just yeah i have this fucked up hair <laughs> it's just really annoying like when you're going out somewhere and you're trying to brush your hair and it's not cooperating and it's really his hair is really thin so it just it starts poofing yes <laughs> nothing worse than poofy hair poofy <laughs> so that's my gripe of the week Oh, well, you know the last day of the show, I'm, have, I'm bringing my clippers to the theater yes, and cutting you are. that shit off. Yo, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> we might charge extra the last day of the show. Yeah. Watch Patrick and Shane. Exactly. Anyway, we now come to the conclusion of this week's episode. Remember, you can find all of our episodes plus our bonus material on our website, www.grumpyoldgamemanandtheirdogs.com. You can also follow our daily posts on Facebook and on Twitter. And, of course, you can always contact us by email at patrick at grumpyoldgamemenandtheirdogs.com. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else we have to tell them. I don't think so. No. No. Do we have any plans this weekend? Yes, we do have yes. plans. We're going to go see our friend and up-and-coming Long Island comedian Kristen Danko. Yes. She'll be appearing at the Alibi located in the village of Farmingdale this Sunday evening. Yeah. I believe the show starts around 7.30 or the doors, doors open, open at 7.30. 7.30. So if you're free on Sunday evening, come down and join us. We'll be there with our friend Danielle. Yes. Come see Kristen Danko. Yes. Very funny comedian. Yes. And that's it for this week's episode then. So have a good night. Have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. Into the woods to find, we're forgetting through the journey. Into the woods each time you go, there's more to learn.